The growing calls across the nation to defund the police. To end policing as we know it. Off the charts violence in New York City. 11 people shot in just eight hours on Sunday. This is Sunday. about the police officers, officers who every single day put on that uniform and they run towards danger when we run away from it. Oh, guts up, baby. Giddy up, y'all. Welcome to the Failure to Stop podcast channel, where we do four shows a week, police-related news on Mondays, off the cuff. Uh, we have Tuesday Night Night Shift, with is True Crime. Then we have our Thursday show with myself, Last Call of the Day, giving you all the information you need so that you don't sound like an asshole to your civilian friends all weekend long. And of course, Friday, our Friday breakdown, coming the first, we are rebranding all of Failure to Stop, coming out with Failure to Stop 2.0 with lots of things. We're going a lot more full time with the show. Uh, we're just going to be heavy hitting really hard come the first of the new year. We're really stepping up our game. We've got some new shows, some new equipment to roll out, some new design work, um, and lots of surprises. Tonight's show is brought to you by ghostbed.com forward slash Wolfpack, where right now you can get holiday savings on a bed, which is a gift that just keeps on giving and giving for everyone. Uh, they're huge supporters of law enforcement and first responders and veterans, service members, prior and active, uh, but deals that just cannot be made. They're made, their beds made in the good old USA. And right now, uh, some things are 50% off. So I, I can't even, there's so much going on at ghostbed.com with pillows, with cooling sheets, with cooling uh, toppers and full-on mattresses and adjustable base. I just, I, there's just so much. You've got to go to ghostbed.com. Use the promo code Wolfpack. Go to ghostbed.com forward slash Wolfpack. And even if you can find the new holiday sales that aren't as good as what the Wolfpack bonus gives you, you can still drop us in the survey because it's chaos over there. I don't know how they're making money this holidays because it is absolutely insanity. Also, today's show is brought to you by AmmoSeek, AmmoSeek.com, where you can find all of the ammunition that you could possibly ever want and need for this holiday season. Head over to AmmoSeek.com and uh, get the free membership when you use that promo code WOLFPACK. But if you're a first responder or veteran, if you're a Second Amendment lover and you need ammo, if you got a new gun, a new GAT for the holidays, head over to AmmoSeek.com and you'll hear more on that later. Well, right now I'm joined by Andrea Uplate and D Pitts from the book I Am Pitts, going over a very, very crazy breaking true crime story. And uh, Andrea has what's up with that? Hey y'all, yeah. Um, welcome, Dexter. Man, really thank happy to have you. Yeah? Appreciate y'all as yeah. always. Very appreciative. Yeah. So, guys, we're gonna talk to Dexter in a minute. I'm gonna. Um, highlight a little bit of something that happened in Kentucky that I'm sure a lot of you heard about. There's not really a whole lot to say about than just the facts. Um, and then we're going to get into talking about mental health and I kind of teased it earlier that it's going to be a heavy show. Um, so let's just dive on in, um, in Louisville, Kentucky, Recently, a family of four was found. Um, Gary Stanton came home to his wife and his two daughters, aged 11 and 7, them, and then committed suicide. I'm sorry, real quick. Am I going in and out here? Yeah. A little bit. Go ahead and say that last part again. This is the uh, good old Wilmington 
uh, good old Wilmington internet. Um, just so Gary Stanton, the husband and father of this family, came home and then turned the gun on himself. So he came home and killed his family Can and then killed me? himself. Yeah. Yeah. Texter, why don't you do what you know the story, the Texter? Uh, I I do, unfortunately. I, only so much. Like, say nobody really knows all the details behind it. But so Gary, he wasn't a, a cop, but he worked for the uh, Metro Fleet Services. So he took care of all these city vehicles. He was the tire guy. So mm. I would go. I've seen Gary over the years. Short little black guy, the nicest guy you'd ever met and could ever meet. Every time I go in there to get my tires changed, Gary was always in there smiling. Hey, hey, how you doing, fella? Just super nice, man. Always had a big smile on his face. And so he retired from Metro uh, about probably about a couple months back, like maybe six, eight months ago, maybe a year. And so I was on uh, scrolling my Facebook feed the other day and I saw this article about an uh, individual that kills his entire family, then kills himself. And I'm looking at the pictures. I'm like, yo, is that Gary from the garage? I'm like, it can't be. I hadn't seen him in forever, but I was like, and I confirmed that it was him. So from what I was told, so his son also works in the same area, but he works on the radio equipment at the uh, at the uh, car garage for the uh, police cars. So apparently his son's been have been trying to contact him, went to the house and discovered the entire family had been shot and killed. Whoa. And when we don't man. know, we don't have a motive or anything. Nobody knows or has any sort of ideal or a motive. No, you like it's always the people we never suspect. And when I saw the pitch, I'm like, why would he do that? Like, because he's the nicest guy. You just never know what somebody's going through. I mean, and I mean, his wife is, I believe she's from Africa and her father had just died. And I know they were just recently in Africa for their father's funeral, but I don't know. You know, I tell people, I don't understand what leads you to kill your own children. You know, a spouse, I would never co-sign it. I, I've seen where it goes wrong and how two sp people that love each other end up killing each other. I can see it. But to have that happen where you kill your entire family. I mean, we had a firefighter here in Louisville a couple of years ago. He did the same thing. He killed his entire family, then set the house on fire and then shot and killed himself. It was here in a little bit of neighborhood called Saratoga Woods. Yeah. Yeah, and the thing is, now, these I, happen all the time. Andrea, are you back with us? It looks like your internet's cleared up a little bit. Do, what are the ages? Do you know the ages of these kids? For uh, Gary's kids, uh, I, oh, I can't remember off the top, man. They're young, I believe, eleven and nine, maybe, or what? I can't remember. Hundred, but yeah, nine I mean, it's is just, such a great age. It's like they're not even assholes yet. Not yet. Great, Andrea, you you've got kids that are a little bit older, correct? <clears throat> Maybe she's not with us at all. No, oh, she's, she's muted. Um, I, I I know that Andrea's got some uh some some older kids that you know, but I still don't think uh. If she's texting me right now, she's gonna switch over. So um, you know, she's got older kids. I don't I don't know. Like everybody says that when your kids turn like uh, teenagers, that sometimes you might want to kill them. But I don't think you fucking physically want to kill them. No, I I can't I can't I could never imagine for one second life without my children to be honest with you i couldn't imagine hurting my family in general like my wife or my kids you know 
And I just, there's just nothing they could ever do to me to just make me want to hurt them. Now, there's times we argue and, you know, adults argue, but to take it to that point, you know, that's a rough man. And I say, I personally, in my own personal life, have seen the effects of this because of what happened with my mother and father. Now, yeah, because you're pretty, this this story probably hits home to you. Uh, more than it hits others because you have a very unique past with with suicide and things like that. Now, th- th- I, before we get into your story, uh, you said you knew Gary, and you didn't see any signs. I mean, did did have you guys talked with anybody else at the car garage? Did they ever see any signs of this? You know, so I'm no longer with the Metro, the Louisville Metro Police Department. So I haven't been to the garage, yo, but I know people that knew him. Like, when I say I knew Gary, I didn't like know him, know him. Like, we weren't right, hanging like, out talking on the phone, we yo. Know, but like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know it's, he's got, he's got a good heart, a good character. Yeah. Like, there was nothing I saw in him that made me question him as a person or question his, you know, his mindset. It was just there. And that's, that's what they said in the article that there were no signs. Nobody suspected anything. So, for his son to go find his dad, you know, and, you know, his wife and his kids all dead. That's, yeah, that, I mean, you got to think that he's going to have to live with that the rest of his life. And just, I, mean, I wonder the if holiday something, season, I wonder if something happened in Africa. <laughs> like, you know, the, so this is what I would say. I don't have any proof. This is just me making a wild guess of something that possibly could have happened. Because I I don't know family history or nothing. The only thing I could think of is maybe they got into it with her being from Africa. Her saying, well, you know what? Hey, I'm done. I'm going back to Africa and I'm taking the kids with me. And the only thing I can imagine him saying, well, you know, you're not doing that. If you're, you know, if you leave, none of y'all are leaving. None of us are leaving. So that, that's the only thing I can think of. Like I said, and that's just a wild guess. Or, you know, like there's all this, cra- there's, there's, <laughs> this is a, this is a wazoo theory here, but. You know, there's like some crazy bugs and stuff in Africa. And I, <laughs> this sounds crazy. Stick with me here. But I had a friend who got bit by a tick and he didn't get Lyme disease, but he got a different disease from the, from a tick where instantly he hated all foods. Now this dude was like pushing 400 pounds. He's one of the largest dudes I know. And he went from like being a barbecue smoker. He's a black guy. So he had this stereotypical smokes, everything cooks everything out on the grill, barbecues everything all the time. I just he went from I'm really offended. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a black thing too. A lot of black people love to grill a lot more. It's like all black people and then like 40-year-old men and up. It's like when a dude hits 40, he's got to get a smoker. Got to get a smoker, bro. You know what I'm saying? Well, black people have been doing that for like fucking since they were like 16. Um but he went from just eating all sorts of meats and all sorts of shit to only being able to eat basically fruit and like cheese and he ends up losing like tons and tons of weight. He eventually died actually uh, at a very early age. I think he died at like 38, but you know, I I wonder if something happens like where you get bit by some kind of weird bug over in Africa and you like fucking, it makes you go crazy or snap. I know Joe Rogan's talked about some things about like different, like, you know, the, the thing that causes cat people to become cat people. What causes cat people to become cat people? Uh, it's like some kind of parasite that like lodges inside of, and it's caused by like coming in contact, I think with, with cat urine at some point or something, but th- basically like there can be a parasite that gets inside of you and it, it makes you wow. like obsessed with, with like cats and cats odors. Greg, according to Greg in the chats, he, he looks like he might suffer from that because he's already made several mentions of his cat <laughs> in here. He said, I would never 
kill a cat. I would kill my kids, but I would never kill my cat. I think is what his exact words were. Quote me on that. I'm just kidding. It's not what he said, but, um, <laughs> are you back Andre? Whenever you're back, you just, you just open up those luscious red lips and just let them sing. But you're we muted. Missed you. We do miss you, but you have to unmute yourself first. Um, Teresa K in the chat says, Eric is my external trigger. We are a live show. So we do have people in the chat now, uh, being that he killed his, his whole family and then he took his own life. Um, man, it just sounds like a, it's like, what did he know? Like, what did he know about Hillary Clinton? Um, <laughs> he was in on I that STX scheme, bro. <laughs> it's, it's just, it's like one of those things where if I was a detective, I wouldn't be able to, I, you would have to like legit, I'd have to find all the evidence that he killed himself before I rule this homicide. Because I just, like for me, it's unfathomable that you could kill your children especially at nine and 11 and then take your own life. Well, like, but it you know, seems that's the, crazy to me, but that's the crux of a uh, mental health man. And it's, you know, until it's too late, you know, nobody knows. I mean, we had a lady here in Indiana who freaking killed her kid and stuffed them in a freaking suitcase. And she was legit crazy. She was C what we call here CIT man. She was all the way off a rocker, man. Yeah. Killed him, put them in a suitcase and threw them out in the woods. That's you know? crazy, man. Um, I mean, Casey Tansy Anthony, is. I mean. Greg says in the chats real quick, uh, and I, I won't, I won't be hitting the chats too much tonight because um, I know this is an important show. But um, uh, Greg says Tansy is completely incorrect. Uh, completely incorrect is is an exaggeration. I'm never completely incorrect. Only mildly incorrect. It's toxoplasmosis that is a parasite from cats, but it causes people to be more reckless which I guess could qualify as getting a bunch of cats. Ah, so right. Moderately wrong. Not completely wrong. Greg. Only moderately wrong. Words matter. Words. I don't have any pets. So matter. Pits for me to clear. So, uh, if you will go ahead and start, I want to know your story. Like obviously mental health, you've went through some mental health crises. Um, I, yeah, I would love to hear your whole story, your story for the holiday. Like, even though people have heard your story before on this show, I think it's an important story that could be, be heard several times. Um, but I'm glad that Andrea brought you on because it's a very important message. Yeah. Yeah. So for me, you know, I've, I've had my struggles in the past with mental health stuff from PTSD and depression from, you know, being in Iraq and in the military and just from, you know, some issues growing up as a child, yo, but I never knew that my mother was suffering from mental health issues and mental health problems. That was never the thing because, you know, most of us look at our moms and we see our moms as super women. You know, she, they, moms can do it all and moms are there for you in your worst moments, but we just never realized that moms have issues too. Moms are humans. And for me, it all changed on August 29, 2010, man. I was a brand new rookie police officer. I had just got out of the, my first phase of FTO training. And I was working at the Ironman detail here in Louisville. And I remember my phone rang. I picked up my phone on the, while I'm on this detail. And somebody says, is this Officer Dexter Pitts? And I'm like, yeah. And they said, hey, you need to get to University of Louisville Hospital. Your mother's been shot. And I'm like, man, who quit playing on my phone? And I remember I hung up the phone. And so you know, I'm going to go back to you know doing my thing. And the phone rings again a few minutes later. And it's like, Officer Pitts, this is not a joke. I'm like, listen, this is an absolute joke. This is not funny. So I hang up the phone again. Well, when that person called back the third no, wait, time. Now, 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 did you think it was legit a joke or were you I legit kind of like, 
kind of just like in denial, or were you like? I was. I literally thought it was a joke. Like I, my mom. So you had no like woman. lump in your throat or no like flutter no, in your heart. Nothing, you were just like, bro. "Fuck you." That's a dirty joke. Nothing, man. Me and my mom were supposed to go and hang out after I got off, bro. So it was. They were in my mind. It was not fathomable that this was real. It's clearly somebody's pranking, trying to sure. prank me, and I'm like, "This is a horrible sure. prank." Yeah. So. He calls back a third time, and I'm like, look, man, stop playing. Like, sir, this is not a joke. Your mother has been shot, and she has been airlifted to University of Louisville Hospital. And that third time is when I knew it was real. So my buddy puts me in. I get in his police car in the passenger seat. We drive down the road to University of Louisville Hospital, man. He's driving like a NASCAR driver. I mean, you can smell the brakes burning. I mean, we're blowing traffic lights with the mm-hmm. lights and sirens. And we get to the hospital, and I'm like, you know, where is Idella Pitts? Where is my mother? And they take me to the ER, to the room that she's in. And the first thing I see when I go in there, man, she's got these uh, brown paper bags on her hands. And I'm like, the heck is going on? And she's laying there down in the in the bed and she's her head's covered in gauze and it's stained crimson red from the blood. And I'm just like, the hell is going on? Like, this isn't supposed to happen to her. This isn't supposed to happen to me, you know, and. You go from in that moment, you go from being a cop, a rookie cop to where I'm Superman. I'm not the one that needs help and needs saving. I save everybody to I'm the one that needs help and my mother needs help. And I need somebody to save me and her because I just this wasn't supposed to be our life. And I just remember looking at her like trying to figure out who did this to you, who did this to you? Like there there's no way that my mother would shoot and kill herself. But so I'm there for hours. Excuse me. So as I'm there, you know, they tell me that there's been no brain activity for hours and she's on life support. And at 26 years old, they ask me, what do you want to do? And I remember my mom, know it now that because I didn't realize that there were signs. I never realized there was. I didn't know. But we would have these conversations months before. And she would say, man, if anything ever happened to me, just know that there's enough money for you and your sister. Or, man, if anything ever happened to me, baby, just. Don't keep me hanging around here. Just let me go. And I'll be like, why are we having these conversations? You're not going nowhere, mom. You're going to live forever. And the next thing you know, I'm 26 in my police officer uniform at my mother's bedside. And I had to make the hardest decision in my life while on duty to take my mom off life support because I remember that's what she always said to me and always told me. And then I remember sitting in there and I remember the nurse came in there and told me an hour later, she's gone, sweetie. You know, and man, my whole world just collapsed and shrunk, man. And and then I remember I told them I wanted to see her before, you know, before I left. And they took me to the back where her body was being kept. And it was so weird, man. It was like this room, it was a pitch black room, but there's just one light. And her body's laying up under this light under a sheet. And they go in there and she was like, man, they're like, it's ugly. You don't want to see it. I'm like, no, I got to see it, man. I have to see it. And I remember they pulled back the sheet and I looked at her and I could see where the bullet entered her temple and exited through her eye. And I just forced myself to look, man. I forced myself mm-hmm. to look. And in my mind, I'm just trying to figure out, like, somebody's going to pay. Who did this? And I remember the social worker came in and talked to me and said, sir, has your mother ever had any suicidal thoughts or ideations? I got really offended. Like, no, never. She would never do that. Mm. And. And so literally, I start talking to the police department. And they tell me, hey, there was an incident here at your house. And my mom and dad had been married for 28 years. Unbeknownst to me, I did not know that my mom and dad, that there was abuse in in the relationship in the marriage. My dad's very controlling, very egotistical, narcissistic guy, you know? So 
they start telling me that there was this incident at the house and that my father showed up to the police station covered in blood and his skin was peeling off of him because there had been hot water thrown on him. <clears throat> and so they go to the house and they find my mother in the passenger seat of her car in the garage, or excuse me, the driver's seat of her car in the garage with the car running, the garage door down, and she's shot. And so I guess, so, you know, my family to this day still believes that my father killed my mother, but the GSR, the uh, gunshot residue test showed that there was uh, the gunshot, gun uh, residue on my mom's hands from her shooting uh -huh. herself. But from what we gathered from the investigation that my dad, even though they were divorced, my dad was still coming over all the time and messing with my mother and trying to control her every day. She even left suicide letters. And she was saying in the letters how, you know, he controls me, everything I do, the type of underwear I wear, who I can talk to, where I can go, what I can do, what I can say. And she was just saying that she was tired of it. And she she said in the letters that uh, he told her that nobody's ever going to believe you if you tell, you know, if, if you ever said anything about how I treat you, nobody ever believed me because my dad's big in the church. Like he's <sighs> a deacon and all this. You know, so people like, you know, nobody's ever going to believe, you know, Idella's, you know, husband did that to her. So. Man, I start reading the suicide letters and there's one letter in there that really hurt me because me and my mom, before this incident, we had a falling out after I got married to this other girl that my mom did not like. And now I know why, you know, and my mom <clears throat> told me that things were going to work out between me and her, this girl and my mom. I mean, I had to make a choice between, you know, my wife, my new wife or my mom. And because I just couldn't have the two in my life at the time because it wasn't working. So I chose my wife and the man, and because I did that, me and my mom did not talk for almost a year. But just before, just before this incident, me and my mom started talking again and patching up and healing our relationship. And I remember the day before going on this detail, I went to Walmart to buy me a cooler for some snacks <clears throat> so that I could uh, have some snacks for my detail, man. And I was on the phone with my mom, like, hey, I'm going to come see you tomorrow because it's been a long time. So I was turning into my neighborhood. And I was like, OK, I'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. And I hang up the phone, man. She calls me right back and says, Hey, you didn't say you love me, baby. I'm like, I'm sorry, mama. I love mm. you. She says, I love you too. And those were our last words together on the surf, man. So, so she that's knew, why she kind of knew that maybe yeah. that was going to be the last conversation. Yeah. Yeah. She, she, she had to have known, man. And you know, it's, it was just so unsurreal and so deep, man. I mean, my whole family fell apart after that. At that time, I found out my wife at the time that my mom warned me about was cheating on me. I learned that a couple months later. My sister ran off with the, my mom's ashes and took all the life insurance money. I ain't talked to my sister in like 12, 13 years, bro. It's it's ridiculous, man. And, and I, I know this story gets I know this story gets a lot heavier. And I know that people think that this is the end of the story. But it's not. It's only the beginning of the story. The story's going to get a little bit wilder. It's a story that I, I'm familiar with. Of course, I've read your book. Um, and I encourage everybody to go read the book, I Am Pitts. But right now, i got to do a little co commercial break before we get into the second half of this, uh, which is you know uh, the even crazier half of this story. Uh, if you want to support our show, especially support us going into the New Year's, right now we could really use a good Christmas present. And the Christmas present that you, the Wolfpack, can give us is not what Lumber Chef uh, who is a fan of the Wolfpack and is a subscriber to our YouTube channel and, and a subscriber to our Discord, 
Uh, but he sent us some Jamaican jerk seasonings. He sent us some wine, some of his favorite pancake mix. He sent us salt and pepper, smoked pepper, some cool candles. He sent us a bunch of great stuff. And we're so, so freaking thankful for that. But you don't have to be a lumber chef and go through all that. What you could simply do for this ho- holiday season is just leave us a rating and review on iTunes or Spotify, wherever you listen, or subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you want to be a paid member, we do have room for more paid members in our Discord. And of course, all those things are coming out revamped in uh, 2023, so you're really not going to want to miss out on some of the more private shows that we're going to be doing, um, as well as all the the better public shows that we're going to be doing. Also, uh, from now until the first, we will be having our swag shop open. But uh, coming the first, we're going to close the swag shop um, until we work out some different deals with a different company and things like that. But we're really going to be focused more on content and providing more content than we are on managing a swag shop. It was just a little bit much for us at a very young uh, podcast age. So uh, if you want to support us right now, you can go and buy the swag on our swag shop. But more importantly, give us a rating and review and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Again, I did say today's show was brought to you by AmmoSeek.com. If you're anything like me, you're sick and tired of searching for ammo. And when you find it, the prices are so jacked up through the roof that you, 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 you don't want to buy it anyway. Uh, that's why we are proud to partner up with AmmoSeek. AmmoSeek is an incredibly helpful comparison shopping search engine for in-stock ammo, guns, mags, and reloading supplies. They update their results in near real time. So if you see it on AmmoSeek, it's available at the listed price. Search by caliber. Cost per round, grain weight, manufacturer, you name it. AmmoSeek is totally free to use, and you can even save past searches and set price alerts so that you're notified when your favorite product that you desire price shows up. If you're looking for great deals on in-stock ammo from over 260 online retailers that will ship right to your door, you can do it all at AmmoSeek.com. Find it at AmmoSeek. Firearms, reloading components at the best prices on the web at AmmoSeek.com. And do me a favor, when you register for your free account, tell them the Wolfpack sent you. That's AmmoSeek.com. AmmoSeek.com. Uh, also, it's that time of the year that we're all giving those gifts. Go sped. GoSped.com forward slash Wolfpack. It's the bed that is made in the good old USA. USA. And a good night's sleep is what is the kickoff to good mental health. You can't start working on your mental health if you're not first working on sleep and your diet. GhostBed can help you out with both of those because if you get a good night rest, then you're more motivated to get up and get physically fit. Start the new year off right with a GhostBed. Right now, GhostBed is offering insane deals that I'm not even going to go through. You just have to go to ghostbed.com forward slash Wolfpack and uh, check out everything that they've got going on. Uh, and, and we love them. They've been with us since day one. They're huge supporters of the first responder family. Everybody we know has a ghost bed. Mike the cop, underpaid producer, all the guys at Drinking Pros, all the cops in my neighborhood. Everybody I know is now sleeping on ghost bed thanks to this website. I mean, thanks to this podcast. So uh, fix your mental health. Fix your, uh, you know, uh, give a gift that just keeps on giving. It's good for you. It's good for him. Head over to ghostbed.com forward slash Wolfpack. Um, and it looks like we've just lost Andrea tonight. And I apologize for that. Um, wasn't in the cards. But... Um. Oh, she said the she might be on. back. Let's see it. Let's see it. Hold on. Are you back? Are you back for the second half of this episode? Yeah, there she is. I am. I am. Oh, oh there it is. Awesome. Makes any difference? We do have a little bit of a lag, so we might over up speak. Well, I actually, um, well, I actually, kind of was, but I could hear the whole story. So I was, I heard. <clears throat> 
I definitely heard all of your story, Dexter. The only thing I didn't hear was the recap of the Kentucky story, um, which is fine because I, I know that story. So um, thank you very much for sharing, Dexter. And I have done whatever I can to change my mic and work on my internet and short all of all, this is all I got for tonight. But it I'm happens. back. Let's keep going. The good news is, as Photoshop 2.0, when it rolls out, uh, everybody's got new equipment for the new year. So everybody should be rocking off of the same equipment. We'll see. Fingers crossed. We're going to try to make that happen. Um, and so we'll all be sounding the same and looking good. When we roll out Thunderstop 2.0 coming January 1. So Dexter, go on with the second part of this story. So uh, just brief recap. Um, you become a new cop. I mean, this is after you've already sustained a horrific injury in Iraq. Yeah. Um, you didn't even mention that part. No. Uh, where you get half your arm blown off. Um, and then you survive that and you come back, you become a police officer in Louisville and now you're a rookie cop and your mom has committed suicide. You found out that your dad is an abuser and you're now not getting along with your sister because in this turmoil, everybody goes crazy. Yes. I mean, yeah, and that just goes crazy. But I mean, I, not that I would say people's true character really comes to the surface and shines because it was so weird because that fact that she took all this stuff from me and I remember her saying one time if you want anything from me you're going to do what I tell you to do first and I was like bitch please <laughs> like we were raised by the same mama I, we was both raised by Della Pitts and she ain't telling me to sell out to nobody so man I mean, that's I how I talked to Andrea she's like you want to have a good show you'll do what you tell me and I'm like bitch please <laughs> but you know for me man I remember I went to go pick up my mom's ashes and my sister went, got up early, went to the funeral home, took the ashes and skipped town, bro. So I don't, I did, I go? did back, back to Alabama. I don't have anything for my mother to, sh to show for anything. Dude, what did she do with the ashes? She keep them in She, I don't know what the hell she did. Don't know what she did, man. You know, she took all the pictures, my childhood pictures, but I didn't have anything left for my mother. So and then like I said, at the, at the, at, as well, you know, I'm learning that my wife at the time is cheating on me. And then I start spiraling out of control. My PTSD, you know, I've always been struggling with it, but I was never in check. And I'm at work and I start becoming an unsafe officer. Just kind of, I was, I was a wild child, man. I remember I had an accidental discharge with a shotgun on a what? scene. Yes. Yes. So Whoa, we, what? Yes. I put it in the book, man. I was like, I'm not going to pull any punches. So we get a call that there is this uh, kid that's in a closet and hiding on Narragansett Drive. He says, my father just shot and killed my mother. And I've only, I was only off for like maybe two weeks after my mom's suicide. And I went oh straight back. So to you know what's crazy is like if an officer shoots somebody, he's off for like six or seven fucking months. Yeah. I mean, but if his mother dies. They told me yeah. to take off, but I was like, no, nah, I'm going to keep working, bro. I'm going to keep working. And so, mm. man, we get this call. And as I'm pulling up to the house, I'm thinking about this kid just saw his mother shot and killed and. I'm two weeks off of my mom's suicide <clears throat> and I get out the car, I put around in the shotgun chamber and I'm walking up to the house ready, ready for whatever. And I'm army infantry, bro. I know trigger discipline. I know how to handle a weapon, right. put my finger on the trigger for some odd reason. And when I was walking up to the house and trip, boom, blasted a shell off into the ground, bro. And that, not just that it got worse, man. It also, there was also an incident where we, arrested this guy and I took this guy to the jail and I didn't search him. I just put him in the car and they, we're at the jail and the corrections get ready to take him in. They search him and they pull out a freaking ice pick out this dude's pocket. My trainer's like, 
hell, bro? Like, did you not search this guy? I'm like, I don't know. Like, who cares? I don't know. Who cares, man? No big deal. <clears throat> yeah, and, they, and then it just started getting worse, man. And I started spiraling so bad out of the point to where I was ready to commit suicide because literally I, I had built this life that was this false life because I, I was married to a pastor's daughter who's very, very, very prominent. So I put on this show all the time because, you know, Dexter, I'm a veteran, I'm a cop, and I got all my shit together, you know, and I'm this and that, and I live this perfect life. And I was putting on this show and putting on this fake face every day, but dying on the inside. And so when I decided to start going through the divorce and lost everything over, it was like a snap of fingers. I lost everything, man. All the people that were in my life were gone. And that's when I was, I was going to try to kill myself. And that's how my book opens up, actually, me sitting in the FOP parking lot with my Glock in my lap. And I put the Glock to my head and I knew if I just pulled the trigger, a couple pounds of pressure, it would be over. But I didn't have the courage to do it. I was too scared to do it. But for me, I was in, like I said, I was in the right profession to have somebody kill me. So I started getting on these traffic stops, making ghost stops, you know, stopping cars, not calling out on people disrespecting people, hoping I would push them to the edge. And every car I stopped, I hoped that there was a felon in that car with a gun that would get up out that out of his seat, put some rounds in me and in my misery. Like I said, he would be a monster to everybody that, you know, that guy killed Dexter. He killed Dexter, but he was going to be my hero. Because I didn't want to live, man. And it what it took for me was it was a retired, uh, a, uh, a former Marine, my sergeant with one leg, Kevin Trees reached out to me and he knew something was wrong because he was like, bro, you're having accidental discharges, not searching people with all these ghost stops. You're being unsafe. I was clearing houses by myself on burglar alarms. Like you don't do that. And I was, you know, and he saw it, man. And my, my chain of command came to me and they were like, we don't know what's wrong with you, man, but you you got a lot of shit going on. 30 days, no questions asked. Take your time and go deal with your shit. And they said, we'll be here when you get back. So I take care of myself and I come back and I'm doing better. And no shit, no lie. My first call out the gate when I come back is a suicide. This mother shoots and kills herself in her bathroom and her entire family's there. And the same bullet wound like my mother. And I just look at this lady laying on the ground. I remember walking into the hallway. The family's on the couch crying. I see her legs sticking out from the bathroom. And I'm just like, man, I walk up and I see the gun in her hand and the blood and the bullet wound. I'm just like, man, Jesus. And my partner, who was freaking Beth, freaking awesome. She was like, Dex, get out of here right now. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so, man, you know, it it took some time. It took so much time for me to build myself back up to who I am today. I saw somebody put in the chat, you know, everybody's got these perfect lives they're living. So I tell people, man, everything you see on social media is not real. This all these perfect lives and people with these perfect bodies and all this perfect income. None of that stuff's real, man. We are all people. We are all humans. There is a battle that we are all fighting. Some of us are just more honest about it. And some of us lie about it a lot more than others. And I refuse to lie, get on social media and just lie and just be this picture perfect guy that oh, he's got wife and kids and he just lives this great life. He goes to church and loves the Lord. Like, no, I struggle. I still struggle. This time last year, I was in a horrible depression. Actually, today, I just had my first appointment at the vet center here in, a, in a Louisville, Kentucky, man, to go keep being seen for mental health problems just because it is so crucial nowadays that we do that, man. There is so much pulling for our attention and there's just so much coming into our minds every day. You know, we're just being pulled in so many different directions, man. 
just being bombarded with so much information and just man, and we lose track of taking care of ourselves. You know, I always say a, people talk about uh, I got pulled over by a cop and he was this to me or he was that or I ran this cop and he was an asshole. And, and I always tell people, I, you don't know what that cop's going through. And uh, oftentimes cops are going through more than any civilian ever goes through. Um, I'm, you know, I remember one night in particular where, you know, I dealt with, um, with a, with a shooting right at the beginning of the night. Um, and then a, just a horrific, uh, stabbing where, where a man and his daughter, he got a hotel room for his daughter for her birthday. He ends up getting too drunk, picks a fight with some Hispanics, um, that are staying at the hotel and they carve him up. They pin him down. They hold him down and they carve all sorts of shit into his back with these beer. I've never seen so much blood in my life. I leave that scene. Like I had to give the daughter a ride back to the mom's house. The daughter was probably like 12 or 13. She's just super traumatized that uh, her dad just got carved up by a bunch of illegal immigrants. Um, and she had a lot to say about that, but I leave that scene. Um, and the first car, a car pulls out in front of me after running a stop sign and it has a, uh, it's a stolen vehicle and I end up lighting it up and it crashes into a house and a girl gets out of it after it, uh, the, after it wrecked into the house, a woman crawls out the window, she takes off running and I tackle her and she's pregnant and we got to go to the hospital because now she's, she's hurt and she's pregnant. Well, you know, that's a lot of paperwork in one night. <laughs> How do you think I acted the next day in public? You know, yeah. You know, when you go home and you process holy shit, dude, I worked, uh, you know, a stabbing or a shooting at the beginning of the night. Then I, a guy got fucking held down and carved up with broken beer bottles and, and not in front of, but like his 13 year old daughter had to run away while her dad's getting carved to pieces. Um, and then I get a stolen car with, with a pregnant woman who stole the car, you know, and you know, you're just supposed to be fine the next normal, day. You're supposed yeah. to just be, Hi, ma'am. Uh, license and registration. You know what I mean? N you're not supposed to be apprehensive or acting scared or you can't be overly aggressive. Like you've got to turn it on and be, you've got to be like a Chick-fil-A person 24 seven. You know, I mean, it's easy to be Chick-fil-A service when you work at fucking Chick-fil-A. It's not easy to do Chick-fil-A service when you work in, despite what internal affairs thinks, despite what your chain of command thinks, it's nearly impossible to be a Chick-fil-A representative as a police officer every single day not possible we, we talked about this earlier you and i how i told eric you know i'm no longer with the metro police department but i'm still in louisville but at a smaller department and it's a lot slower pace a lot less craziness going on and i didn't realize until now how stressed out i was and how tired i was because i've always been a city cop i've always been in the hood or downtown one of the two no in-betweens. That's all I've ever known is chaos. And now that the chaos is gone and I'm realizing like, man, my life is like so much better now. My stress levels are coming down. You know, it sucks being on night shift now. Right. So, but you know, but I mean, dude, it's, and like we were saying, like you said, man, cops that live this day in and day out for 20 plus years, that's going to cause trauma. And then you're just going to keep stacking more trauma on top of that trauma and more, more trauma on top of that trauma. And you never deal with your shit, but you're a tough guy. But know what happens to all the tough guys when they commit suicide? Everybody always asks, what happened? Why, why, why would he do that? He was such a badass. Because he's yeah. a human, bro. He's a human. We can only hide shit for so long. 
Yeah, I remember being a young cop and and there being an officer that was super influential in my life and, and just an, an amazing cop. And and I put him in my book when, when my book comes out. And I won't say who it was, but I think you'll get a good idea of who he was. But <laughs> you know, he's God's gift to to the profession. And 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 I think he all the things that I always wanted out of any leader in the military and any leader in, in that I ever wanted, you know, like you have an ideal, you like, you have this ideology of what a leader is supposed to be, but you never find it. Right. Like never. all your leadership, <laughs> like your higher up leadership always, they're always pieces of shit. Like that's why I have zero respect for anybody over the rank of captain, because I, I really <laughs> feel like until we met Lieutenant Colonel Scheller, <laughs> I didn't think uh, perfect leadership existed. Um, but this is that guy that, that, that exemplified all the things I thought a leader should be. And, one day he called me, man, and uh, he was like, you got a minute to meet for coffee? And I said, sure. And we were talking on the phone. He was in a different car. I, I was in my own car. He was in his own car, but we were on the phone waiting to get there. And like he was like in tears on the phone. He was just like, dude, I'm fucking done. I don't know what the fuck to do, man. Yeah. And I was like, what are you talking about? And he was like, man, I'm fucking, I don't know. Like, I can't keep going on. I can't keep, like, I have no relationship with my wife. I have no relationship with my children. Um you know, I saw this, 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 and this, I flipped my fucking car, you know, um, this, this, this happened this week. And he's like, dude, I don't know what to do now. And I'm stuck. And, and I was like, yeah, well, like, I think the first thing is like, let's get coffee and then come up with some kind of a plan. And I don't know if he was suicidal as much as he was just about to quit being a cop. I don't know. But like seeing that dude broken and me being such a young cop, like I was like, dude, I, he didn't have like a senior cop that he could go to. Like, this is like probably one of the more well-known human beings in the state of North Carolina when it comes to law enforcement. And he chose to call me and have this conversation with me. And I was just super confused, but you know, it, it taught me a lesson that it doesn't matter how badass you are, or how hard of a motherfucker you are, or how badass your career is and how you're good. You know, this guy doesn't have Instagram. This dude isn't cloudful. This dude isn't a, Hey, look at me guy. I mean, this dude's in the shadows doing the Lord's work day in and day out. And at some point, you know, 15 years in, this dude's like, I'm fucking broken, dude. I'm fucking broken and I don't know what the fuck to do, you know? And, um, and, and you know, lucky for me in, in my career, I never re reached that point in eight years to where I was, I was broken. I mean, ish, ish, I, I, you know, and I talk about it a little bit in my book, but uh, it's a, it's a, it's a scary place to be. So in just looking at some numbers, I saw Jonathan mentions some numbers um, about firefighters specifically in the chats a minute ago. And I've spent the past while kind of looking, knowing that this show was coming up, looking at kind of just different demographics. And so um, I just kind of wanted to touch on what, you know, um, certain professions that are most likely to have deaths caused by suicide uh, certain times of year, it may surprise you. It may not be what you think it is. That's the highest time of year for suicides. And there's a psychology behind that actually. Um, and then even our children, we know that our children and adolescents have such an increase in anxiety and depressive disorders currently in the past few years, um, just skyrocketing. And, and I'd like to just touch a little bit on why we think that is, because this these kinds of things affect everybody. I know that we gear everything toward first responders, and that's incredibly yeah. important, but there's you no know, mental health is knows no bounds. Right. So um, I just want to. Well, fighter, fi firefighters um, want to commit suicide so we because have they're not cop data from you. And they'll never be cops. So that's why we they, have data they from the U S department of justice. <clears throat> from from State uh, troopers too, because 2017 to 2019 saying, okay. 
from 2017 to 2019 saying that officers killed by suicide sur surpassed the deaths caused by accidental and felonious events. So um, mm -hmm. them committing suicide outweighed um, or overreached anything that would have happened in the job. Um, so this was interesting and something to think about when you thought police officers or any first responders. Um, I would be interested to see how this also affects dispatchers, but they don't expound on that in this article. But seeing suicidal attempt on duty has been shown to increase the risk of subsequent suicidal ideation of those first responders that are involved. Um, I thought that was very interesting. Uh, the top three professions that are listed to or to be the top three in terms of uh, death by suicide numbers are doctors. Um, some of these websites, just be careful to know that it's not necessarily specifically doctors. Sometimes they encompass all of healthcare. These studies do different things. So we all know that um, statistics numbers, you can make them do whatever. Um, and doctors, dentist, and then police officers kind of right there in that uh, in that rank. Wait, did Used you say to dentist? In America, dentist? Dentist when dentist? I was in college, Dennis. Well, so and the reason think about this. The reason is it's not. Um, it's because you've got um, patient accountability. It sounds silly, but you have people in your ear all the time. But generally speaking, a lot of these higher um, finance seated professions come with sometimes overreach of life. I mean, you get into financial burdens and financial burdens ultimately are a lot of times what causes suicide. Um, and so that's what I was going to touch on is that. Oh, cause you're saying like a dentist thinks he's I a doctor. College, so just, he's spending, he's spending doctor money, but he's not really a doctor. He's a dentist. And then he gets into financial oh, trouble and he's champagne taste on a Kool-Aid. <laughs> that's budget, not what brother. I'm saying. Oh, I thought that's what you're saying. Yes. Yes. My children have learned how to do this Christmas. Um, but no, so actually, so that's what I was going to touch on when I went to college and, you know, at that time, like four years ago, um, in America, the leading cause of suicide was actually at the time or the leading demographic was white males aged like 40 to 60. And generally speaking, it was due to financial feeling embarrassment, feeling like they can't uh, take care of their families and whatnot. This is changing. The tides are turning. That is not the largest demographic any longer. Um, but that, excuse me, that does touch on the Dr. Dennis portion. But like I said, police officers were number three in that in that in that ranking. Um, so on on numbers. Uh, Police and firefighters die by suicide more often than in the line of duty. Um, in 2020, specifically, 116 police officers died by suicide um, and 113 in the line of duty. Uh, we can get into whether or not there's known mental health conditions. That's where things get a little worried. Things are not fully reported. Harken on that and it. But we that from 1999-2016, suicide rates increased by 30%. Um, men do commit suicide more than, more often than women have. Like, like triple the times that women, the rate of women committing suicide trajectory that is entirely different. 
like it is increasing very quickly. Um, so that's because women are equal to men now. Numbers again, and then we can they talk want, about some other things. They want women equality, so they're trying to catch up to them, and they're like, well, "We can commit. We can kill ourselves at the same rate as men does. We can have the same rate of pay in playing basketball. We can also kill ourselves at the same rate as men can, because women's rights." <laughs> <laughs> Go women <laughs> for the delay for Andre to respond. <laughs> Go women. <laughs> Suicide is not fun. I don't like either one of you. <laughs> you like Brittany Griner a bit, don't um, you? <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting on that one. I knew that was coming. Did you guys see the meme with the pruny finger? That looked like it was in the waterway. Yes, it said oh Brittany Griner on her first day back, and then she tweeted, "Please stop tagging me in this." Oh, dude, I was like, "Yeah, baby." Wow, man, you think she ever goes back to play Russia? Like, what if there's an Olympics and she's in the WNBA, and for like the gold medal, it's USA versus Russia? Like, still nobody would watch it, but like, it might make a cool movie thirty years down the road when people. Kind of of like the uh, Miracle on Ice movie, the hockey movie. Yes. I did not get my internet back to talk about Brittany Griner. (laughs) All right. I scaled it. Let's talk about how men suicide better than women. To not talk about. We'll just talk about how men kill themselves better than women do. Score. <laughs> the rates of depression so have increased from five in 2017 among adolescents. Eric Tansy, I'm going to mute you. I'm going to figure out how to do it. I haven't said um, shit. So, adolescents age 12 to set. There's a delay. There's a delay. It. It's a That's del- not my delay. fucking problem. <laughs> Mm. between 2005 and 2017 um seriously though adolescents aged 12 to 17 had depressive rates that increased 52 percent 52 percent that's huge um and these depression rates increased 63 percent yep between 2009 and 2017 and adults 18 to 25 and i wholeheartedly agree that that's a huge part of it dexter um we know that it's estimated this is these again are all very gray numbers uh that about 70 percent seven zero seventy percent of children and adolescents with depressive disorders uh, do not receive treatment so that's the children portion of it we talked about the um professional aspect of it and then of course we can talk about veterans uh increased suicide rate overall substantially more so with those that experienced tbi or traumatic brain injury i'm sure that makes sense um but those who experienced they actually have it broken down into those who experienced mild tbi died at three times the general rate by suicide while those deemed to have had moderate to severe brain injury are five times as likely to die by suicide um, then, like, how many boxers so, kill themselves? How many fucking football? What time kill of the themselves? year? Is... Yeah, well, CTE. Yeah. So that's yeah, the same. Like, that's I the don't same idea like as TBI. 
Yeah, that's like one, dude. <laughs> no, it, but listen, because that's here. Listen, why? Because um, TBI that occurs from events sustained in military or in other, so, you know, in, 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 in close quarters battle in with these concussive grenades, right? When all these things that are rattling your brain around, that causes damage to your brain much more immediately. Just it, it doesn't take long to develop with CTE that we see in the football players and the um, boxers and fighters for it's a long span of time of these concussive injuries. And so that's when that starts to develop and that the brain and the things that can make them be rageful or not um, super rational. And then oftentimes will allow them to either harm someone else or subsequently um, commit suicide. But that's why it doesn't happen immediately. So you're not going to see those numbers right now. We're seeing it sprinkled like it's happening we don't see it in the same rate. It's also not going to be the same rate because when you compare that to first responders or let's say veterans that have those TBI, those those injuries, the traumatic brain injuries, that's it's the TBI coupled with the tra trauma that they've that they've experienced, that they've seen, you know, in the circumstances they've been in. And so I think that's why you see those numbers immediately than in the boxers and the football players. But we started to touch on what time of the year is most prevalent. I saw. Sorry, she has a delay. So whenever she's not going to hear it for like five seconds. And say it again. No, so you know the war on terror is really just ending. I still heard it. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, but I didn't hear it because you were talking at the same time that he said it. I was just saying the war on terror is really just ending. So we are going to be getting a lot of info over the next couple years, especially after that withdrawal. So we'll see how that actually turns out. Yeah. I feel like you, um, I feel Absolutely. like, uh, the pressure gets a lot more when you find out that you lost, you know what I'm saying? Like oh, when absolutely. you win, you're like, yeah, one bitch. Like, you know, like you're not even thinking about mental health or TBIs, but when you lose, you got all that time to dwell. Like, man, I fucking spent 13 months of my life in combat and we for lost what? for what? That sucks. Yeah. That's going to weigh heavy on their hearts. Kind of like the Vietnam vets, you know? Yep. I think now I know I how they feel. And I feel bad for calling them all losers. <laughs> I used to just be like, man, you're a Vietnam vet. Like, cool. You lost a war. Shut the fuck up. You know, but now I'm sitting in the same shoes they are. And I feel just as bad. Now I've lost one. Maybe it's karma. I can't even eat free Applebee's because I feel so bad about losing that war. <laughs> I better not ever see you in a OEF hat. Ever you? Won't. I would never wear those hats. They're so. Crazy. I know. If we won, I would wear. It's like wearing a Dallas Cowboys hat. Even if Cowboys we won, hat. I wouldn't win. I wouldn't wear those. It's like wearing a Dallas Cowboys hat. Like, great, you root for a losing team consistently. Awesome. You know. Sorry, Andrea. <laughs> <laughs> That's fucked up. Um, I know. I wouldn't say that to a. I wouldn't you. say that to a Vietnam vet. I don't even say it to a lot of Iraqi vets. A lot of, a lot of Iraq and uh, Afghan uh, Afghan vets get real pissed when you say it too. But I am an Afghan vet, so it's like I'm like a black person saying the N word. I can say it because I'm I'm black. <laughs> I mean, I'm a veteran, so I can say it. I'm a veteran. But you know, you know what I'm trying to say there. Got them N word passes on the on the low low for anybody. Um. <laughs> Michael Hendricks just said that Andrea's internet is built back better. I think that's amazing. <laughs> um, Damn. All right. So, um, 
So I so we were touching on um, the most prevalent time of year for suicides, and I saw Drew mention it in the comments, and he was right. It's a the misconception is uh, winter. Now, holidays and wintertime do cause a lot of um, depression rates to spike. Uh, that does not that's not synonymous with suicide rates. So suicide rates actually spike more in late spring and early summer. And there's a really good reason for this. A couple of them, actually. Um, when you think of late spring and early summer, we have longer days. We have more sunshine. We have just kind of innate, like innately a hopefulness, like a, a something you're looking forward to. So when you have nothing to look forward to or things are continually getting worse, it almost it almost exacerbates what's bad because now everyone else is getting outside and doing things and um, being happy to sunshine and, you know, do yard work, whatever, all the things that, and just that notion that comes with the summer approaching. And when you're already in that state of hopelessness, um, it's compounded uh, at that time. And so that's very interesting part of that study. And it's, and it makes a lot of sense when you, when you think about it separately. Uh, if you know anything about someone who maybe, maybe this wasn't the suicide that took you by surprise, but someone who you know has been depressed, someone who maybe has had some ideations over time or maybe some self-harm and, and not really gone through with anything yet, often what happens is um, you see this pattern of depression, 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 and then they may crawl out of it and feel happy and better. So to be fair, a scarier, the scariest part of that when someone has a known depressive disorder is actually when they start to appear, when someone starts to seem um, more alert, more energetic, this is when actually you need to put even more eyes on them. Because if someone has this of deep, dark, That's depressive fucked, thoughts, because then when they're like super you know, depressed, sure has had thoughts of suicide. When, when they're super depressed and you're trying to find them help and you're like, oh, dude, you gotta go. Now it's like, okay, now I'm better and you're still trying to find me help? Like that sounds fucked. Well, it's so crazy that you say that because all my family members tell me about my mother. Like, but there's me, no way your mother did this to herself because your mom, you know, she was getting her life together. She was going to school and she seemed happy and, you know, she was doing all this and that and just overly, just completely happy and a different person. And then all of a sudden, hits the wall. That makes sense. I mean, I mean, do you think there was any stopping so, your mom at that and point? The reason it makes no. I, and that's always kind of like the question I've had with suicide and, and listen, like suicide's very close to me, dude. Like my, my uncle committed suicide. The neighbor that lives behind me committed suicide. The kids, the kid who I went home with every day after school um, until my mom got home, killed himself in his backyard. My mother found him. Um, oh. uh, my, the neighbor that lives in front of our house uh, was a murder suicide. Um, and so I, I, I grew up with seeing lots of, lots and lots of suicides uh, over the years. I always had lots of questions about them, but I kind of feel like if somebody's going to commit suicide, what is there to do to stop them? What, what, what can you, as, as, I mean, we had a friend that we even Baker acted. It didn't work. Still <laughs> fucking kill. And I'm not saying you just give up and you stop trying, but I mean, I, you can't really beat yourself over the head when, when somebody close to you commits suicide. Cause I think a lot of these times, man, I mean, they're going to, you know, they're going to hide it until it's too late. Exactly. And then you, and you just can't control it. All you can do is be a helping hand to somebody. 
just offer the help. It's up to them to take it or not. Like my mother, right. I don't think there's nothing I could have done or said to change my mother's mind. That's why I don't lose sleep over because like, man, my mom had a lot of trauma from her childhood growing up being dark skinned in Mississippi. And you know, there's sexual trauma and stuff that happened to her that she carried her entire life. And that compounded with domestic violence didn't make it any better. Mm. Yeah. So let me ask. So uh, two things real quick. Uh, sorry, I try, if I'm interrupting, I'm not trying to, but it's hard to no, no, you're the, fine. with the lag. Uh, what I was just going to finish with on what I was going to finish with on um, that a minute ago about when people seem to be healthier and seem to be doing better. The reason is because they they quite literally physically have more energy. A lot of times it amounts to a, not a whole lot more than that. They seem to be doing better. Now they have the energy to enact the plan that they've been planning the whole time they were not feeling well. So they've mm. been sitting there thinking about it when they were depressed, when they were lethargic, when they were, you know, had taken to the bed, when they didn't want to be involved in family activities. They've been planning this, that it, it so often happens with a plan in place and it may not be tomorrow. It could be six months. But sometimes it literally just takes that. It takes the energy when this depressive cycle lets up a little bit and they physically have energy to get up. So to the surrounding family members and friends, that appears as a positive note um, when in reality, they literally now have the um, energy to uh, execute the plan. There's that. I was going to ask you, Dexter, when you said that about your mother's childhood uh, and we don't even have to get into the we don't have to get into the weeds of whatever her childhood was but based on past traumas in her childhood do you feel like that steered her in a direction to be with a man that your your father was to her uh honestly i can't say i don't know i really don't know but i just know it was like I said, she carried a lot of trauma for years. And, and the thing is, she passed a lot of that, some of that trauma on to me with, you know, one thing I talk about in my book is growing up being dark skinned and being made up fun of by the black kids for being dark skinned. Well, my mom bleached her skin when she was younger to make herself appear lighter mm -hmm. so she could be more socially accepted. And she taught me how to bleach my skin when I was in middle school because I was getting made fun of by the black kids for being so dark skinned, thinking that that was going to make my life better. And of course, a lot of people, man, that's jacked up. It is, but you got to understand she wasn't doing that from a place of harm. She really thought she was trying to help me. And, you know, because it, she felt like it helped her. Right. Of course, looking back, yeah, it's wrong. And, you know, but like I said, she did it out of love, not hate. But, you know, that's one thing I've had to learn to t teach myself over the years, to love myself. For, you know, even though I have dark skin, like, who cares at this point? I don't care. It's just who I am. You know, I make sure I tell my daughter that every day. She's got dark skin. I'm like, you're beautiful, baby. Because that wasn't drummed into my head. I would put on dark skin clothes and I would be told, you're already black enough. Why would you go outside with no darker clothes on? You know, and I, I said, that's a lot of trauma that happens in the black community. A lot of people don't want to talk about. But that's why I'm so open about it, man. Colorism, it's a real thing, you know? <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, it, it's, it's a crazy... Yeah. Well, I was loud. Got her fucking technical issues. <laughs> Wait on you. Wait on you. Usually I'm the one that ruins the flow of a show. Not tonight. 
Not tonight. <laughs> it gets serious. It gets good. And we then should we get look like good. A fucking forty-five second delay. Is there like a is there a hurricane going on? Where you live? I mean, you know, don't you worry about that. Smell the mic. Um, I was gonna say. <laughs> I was going to say, um, first of all, Dunlap just said that he's Irish, and if he bleached his skin, he'd be transparent. Um, <laughs> you can't say I transparent. I color That's issue, offensive. Dexter, when, <laughs> when, um, when I was in uh, middle school and, and a bunch of my buddies and one of them, this guy named Brent, what's up, Brent? Uh, this guy named Brent was darker skinned than than his other buddies and the little circle that he ran in. And I remember, and they, and everybody would just giggle and but they would talk it amongst themselves about, about Brent being darker. Like what you're talking here. Um, um, they were actually all pretty creative with it. They were all, they were all a lot of fun, but, um, but it's the same, you know, it's the same idea as whenever, when you talk about past traumas, it's whenever any uh, parent, like if a parent has had weight issues and they're consistently saying things like, Oh, I'm, you know, like, Oh, I've, eaten one pancake i'm not gonna have more gain whatever the th things that we just put their hearing and they're gonna take and and run with it but um i think that um, let me see if i if we took all of our notes you know one of the things that we um talked about earlier was how oh, <clears throat> excuse me if you are a first responder and you've been on a call of someone um, who's attempting suicide, then that makes you more likely to potentially have suicidal. Do you find in your experience as a police officer, um, people who are calling in or someone calling in for them that are um, side or someone's going to Attempt it instead of because they're gonna execute on that plan. Maybe it's to receive mental health care. So we actually just dealt with that. So it was in the summer. We had a lady, an older black lady downtown, and her family called like, "Hey, she's about to kill herself." So we get on scene and we knock on the door. She was like, "I got a gun and I got lots of ammo in here." It's like, "Y'all come in here. We're gonna shoot it out." And I'm like, "Well, we're not going inside." So you know we pull back set up a perimeter and so we're just trying to talk the lady to coming out and getting help and we're out there forever and there's literally i mean command we'd make the decision like we take these factors into account like is she gonna be a danger to somebody else right now if we leave so we ended up leaving and we gave the family mental health resources we slid a number under the door for some more mental health stuff and so and then we just leave and people were mad why are you leaving like we can't do anything she's not hurting us if we go in there she's gonna force us to kill herself. And so the family was like, she's been struggling with mental health for years. Well, I get a text last week that, hey, remember that lady from the summer? Like, yeah, she finally shot and killed herself. You know, and she, like yeah. I said, she, she, she was gonna do it one way or another and she did it, you know? Yeah, I mean, just, I'm glad she did it without taking any cops with her or yeah. making a cop have to do it, you know, like, I always hate that suicide by cop thing. It's like, dude, fucking do it yourself. Don't make a cop do it. No, don't. Don't make a cop do it for you. So he yeah. has to live with that shit, and then you know compiles drama. But you know, I, I you know, I th seeing a lot of suicides, and you know, we work a bunch of them. Um, I don't know that it's ever 
you know, made me want to contemplate suicide. No, definitely. you know, I mean, there is, there is science behind that. I mean, it's like, if they talk about mass shootings a bunch, you're going to have more mass shootings because it puts ideals and it puts thoughts into somebody's head. If they're already thinking about it, it's like subliminal advertising, right? If I keep saying ghost bed over and over again, eventually when it comes time for you to buy a bed, first thing you're going to think about is ghost bed. First time you buy ammo, you're going to think of ammo seek. You know what I mean? Like those it's subliminal messaging and, and hitting somebody almost like hypnotically where you're saying the same thing over and over again. There's a science to it. So if you hear mass shooting, mass shooting, mass shooting on every channel of every news thing, guess what's going to go up? <laughs> mass shootings. Because then it normalizes it. If you keep if you put yeah. gay in every single fucking movie and every fucking other scene, guess what? You're gonna get a lot more gay people. I know that's freaking that you know some some I said this to a uh, a group of people and they were really offended by it. I said that and they're like oh it's not that just it's not that easy I mean it is man like my child my children would never ever even know what gay is they wouldn't even know what two dudes could could love each other had they not even seen it on a fucking cartoon that they just watch which they're now not allowed to watch but my son just the other day asked me again it. if something was gay you and I was like folks. dude you're nine and you're homeschooled. The thing is, is that they're subliminally pounding ourselves, pounding us over the head, pounding us in the ass with this whole gay thing over and over again. It's like every fucking TV show that you watch yep. has gay undertones. Every one of them. I mean, uh, White Lotus, gays. Uh, Bro, there's the new 1899 on Netflix. Gays. Bro, I was um, just like, oh, I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> You know, you got uh, it's just everything that you do, like uh, the Game of Thrones, the new hair, uh, the new um, what's the Lord of the Rings spinoff. I mean, does I mean, does everything have to be gay? Like it's it's crazy to me. And um, yeah, you it's know, the liminal messaging. I mean, you were talking you do about it that over and over again. You're going to get a lot more of that shit. So if you go to a lot more suicides, yeah, you're probably going to think of suicide a little bit more if that's a thought that's down in the in the depths of your soul. Speaking. You know? Say again, Dre. Speaking of subliminal messages, is this, do you think you could, yeah, speaking of subliminal messages, if you play our podcast backward, does it like, ghost bed, um, what tells you the meaning of life? Manscaped, all of our ads. Okay, it doesn't, it doesn't give you all of our ad reads. Oh, it does. Yeah, if you play it backwards, it gives you. I think it should. Um, it, it gives you, um, it, it gives you the meaning of life really. Um, <laughs> it lets you know what the meaning of life. If you play the, the podcast backwards, but you have to do it the whole way. And then you have to leave a rating and review. You have to subscribe, subscribe, and then you have to follow on Instagram. You also have to follow. I am pits. Uh, he has a wonderful podcast that he updates very consistently. Uh, his podcast is, I mean, it rolls out like, a. am just kidding. That <laughs> 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 shit's. I love it though. Possible. I love your podcast. I appreciate it, man. Um, and uh, you, you, you know, that's where you can follow and read the book. I am Pitts, a great Amazon seller. If you're a, if you're a family member of a first responder, if you're a fan of first responder, if you love first responders, if you want to support a first responder, head over to amazon.com and look up. I am Pitts. Uh, that's I A M P I T T S. And you can get his book. Um, and you can read this whole story, the story about Iraq, the war, um, being a police officer in the time of the Breonna Taylor incident, being a police officer in a time when the borders are wide open and he became a border patrol agent. Um, so, so kind of where he, he is now and how he, just, how he found himself being Dexter Pitts. And I think it's such a, a powerful story, you know, not being able to relate to white people tend to not being able to relate to 
black people then to not be able to relate to people on the border and just having a real identity crisis of who the fuck am I? Am I, am I a, a black Democrat soldier? Am I a, you know, am I a white wannabe Republican police officer? Like who the fuck am I? And he comes to this realization that I am pits. I am something that, that there's nothing else. There's nobody else out there like me. I am who I am and I'm just different. And, uh, oh shit. I mean, dude, that's what I got from the book. You know what I mean? You, you, you came to the realization of everything that you were, and, and that's a powerful statement, man. And I, and I love it. And I encourage anybody to read the book. Matter of fact, I thought it was so powerful that I gave my, my copy, my first copy to a woman on an airplane, um, who, who was real, real pro police. No, I'm wasn't. sure that white liberal, I'm sure she probably committed suicide after that book. <laughs> Well, the funny thing is that your book has a picture of you with a mask and a thin blue line, and she was so disgusted by it. And um, she's like, oh, gosh, that book looks toxic. And um, such an uncle town. <laughs> and I looked over and I was like, oh, no, this is about a this is about a black man that's having to be a police officer in white America. And she was like, oh, oh God, I can't even imagine. Uh, how did he fall into that? And I was like, well, he went to war and he like literally wasn't qualified to do anything else, but be a cop. And now he's, you know, you know, now he's just having, you know, forced to be a cop Pretty with all these much. white people. And she was like, that sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> She's probably dead. I'd like to see him at my house in a tuxedo with some white gloves. But he serves <laughs> one nicely. <laughs> uh, also, you can... <laughs> Uh, and 10 seconds later, she gets it. <laughs> uh, also, there was a really great episode that we posted um, when we were with One More and I'm Out of Here podcast uh, where we got to meet with uh, Dexter Pitts and Lieutenant Colonel Scheller. And you can listen to both those shows, one on One More and I'm Out of Here podcast. And then the night before that, um, you can hear that episode on on the, the last call oh, episode. But, um, you know, uh, if, you, if you're thinking about committing suicide, um, reach out. Okay. Uh, reach out to somebody. Um, you call, know, even if he, pronoun go ahead. <laughs> call Dexter Pitts. Yeah. No, I was going to say, uh, 800, 800, uh, 273-5273-825, the national suicide prevention lifeline. However, they now have enacted, um, uh, if you type in 988, you know how there are sometimes like three uh, numbered um, things for like, like the, like if you dig in your area and you call this little number to make sure right. you're not going to dig up a line or, or whatever. So 988, uh, I think it was on uh, maybe a story or a reel I did recently, but um, you can call that anywhere in the United States. I forget how many, there's a hundred and something languages you can call and converse in. Of course, says nine one one. Absolutely. Um, what if I want I've to commit suicide? Nine eight eight. Hey, Hydraman. Don't call if but you're in Canada. Don't call if you're in Canada. Yeah, because they'll just euthanize you. They'll be like, "Oh, <laughs> damn, we're offering suicides half off <laughs> for our spring rush sale. All suicides twenty percent off. Free euthanizations. Actually, they call it euthanizations. They don't call it suicides. Um, but what if I want to commit suicide in Klingon? Uh, there's a hundred different languages. Is Klingon one of those languages? Yes. Uh, asking for a friend. The delay. <laughs> All right. Well, um, I, I know <laughs> I am done because this fucking delay is killing me. And um, plus, my ride is here. Broke on. I have to go actually work on the night shift after doing the night shift show. But thank God it's my Friday. 
If you want to commit suicide, yeah, you do. Yes. Well, that was bad timing. So if you want to commit suicide, she said, yeah, you do. Yeah, (laughs) you do. Yeah, you do. You want to do it, don't you? If you commit suicide, I'll show you my tits. (laughs) 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 And until next time, guys, guns up. Giddy up.